Welcome to the Getting Real with Hillary show, where ordinary heroes tell extraordinary stories during unique and never-been-heard-before conversations with your host, Hillary Arno Burns. Hillary's unique listening and way of asking questions results in conversations that aren't usually talked about, so you can create the life that you really want but are afraid you can't really have. We are demonstrating the greatness in the human spirit and creating a world where we all reclaim our birthright of joy, happiness, purpose, and passion. Now, here's your host, Hilary Arno Burns. Welcome to the Getting Real with Hillary show. And today we have a very, very special guest. Today, we have Linda Gulieri Dowling, who is an author, an entrepreneur, a wife, and a mother. And at 77 years old, she is still writing. She is still inspiring. And her spirit will blow you away. So if you're of a certain age and you think it's all over, just watch Linda because she will lead the way for you to get excited about your life. So welcome, Linda. Hi. Hi. It's so great. It's great to have you here. Thank you. So I know we talked. Oh, and so Linda, so I just read one of her books. This was her first book. It's called uh, A Certain Remembrance, and I just read it. It's amazing. Linda, as a young, young girl, was already incredible. I guess you might call her precocious. She just, she didn't know that as a little girl, you didn't start businesses and all this kind of stuff. No one ever told her that. So she just did, right? She started her own daycare. How old were you, Linda? Oh, well, I started the daycare. I was 13. Yeah. So 13, she started to think. Yeah. So anyway, you, you start, I know you have an earlier story from when, you know, your mom um, had, had predicted that you would be a writer. Is that where you want to start telling your story? If you don't mind. Uh, Yes. I was six years old and uh, I was playing with an imaginary friend of mine. And I said, uh, when my mom walked in the room, I just told her that I would playing with my imaginary friend. She said, you have an imaginary friend? And I said, yeah, it's from my imagination. It's not real. So she laughed and said, you're going to be a good writer someday. So that was my uh, six-year-old experience. And uh, when I was eight, I decided to go to the stores locally and ask them if they wanted to donate any crayons, coloring books, toys, what have you, because I wanted to go to an orphanage and bring them for the children at Christmas time. And I wanted to wrap them up and put their ages on it and their names and everything. So they did. And then I said, well, I need people to make hats, scarves, and um, gloves so I decided to buy some material for that. I went to our local senior community, and uh, the people there did end up doing that for me, the crocheting and the making of toys. And um, the administrative assistant told me back then that, well, 
you just inspired a whole bunch of people. They're no longer seniors. They feel like young people again. So I said, wow, okay, good. Keep it up. Um, now, Linda, can I ask you a question? How, sure. When you were eight, when I was eight, I wasn't thinking about helping other children. I don't even know what I was doing, but that's probably swimming or something like that. Like, how did you get the idea for that? Do you remember? I know it was a long time ago, but like, why would you have even, or, or people may think that, but then they don't actually do anything about it. What was it that had you just go, I'm going to do this or, or, or even know about it to do? Well, I don't know. I think I always felt like I had a sense. And what I did was when I was in kindergarten, I helped a young girl, one of my playmates, tie her shoes. Someone else put, helping them with a the raincoat. But I was the same age as they were. I don't know where that came from. It just came. It just happened. Mm-hmm. And then when I was six, that happened. And when I was eight, I did that. So uh, by the time I was 10, my mom wanted to take me to Italy to visit my grandparents there. And we did. And my grandmother said, well, I'm going to go and do um, some stomping on grapes so we could make some wine. And I went, oh, fun. So I did with her. And that was interesting. And of course, we saw the sights and what have you at that point. But um, when I was 11, I almost uh, died from pneumonia. But uh, yeah, double pneumonia. But I came through it. Everything was good, which told me there was a purpose. I had a purpose. What was my purpose? I wasn't too sure yet. But by the time I was 13, maybe that's what made me do uh. that. Um, you know, the um, the summer camp that I call it, actually. And uh, my mom said, yeah, let's do it. I had about eight to nine children because parents were working. They figured, great, they could leave the kids there. And uh, I ended Did you up- charge them? Did you charge them? Yeah, very little. Very little, just a few dollars. I think it was $5 or something, uh-huh. you know. Yeah, it was. Uh, and um, then I started writing plays because what? how much time can we just play, play, play all day? So I said, I'm going to write some plays over the weekends and I'm going to have you guys act them out. So we made up invitations. The parents came to the house in the yard with all the chairs because it's summertime. And uh, my father went to the local Elks Club and whatever, got the chairs and what have you, set it up. And I charged each family $2 to get in. (laughs) Yeah. And my grandmother was making all the outfits. I bought some material and everything out of my own allowance. And I decided, okay, let's do this. And we did. And it was fun. And everybody loved it. So that was uh, just about when I was 13. Was that, did you just do that for one summer or did you do it for many years? I did it for two summers, actually. Two summers, okay. I did it for two summers. And then, you know, with school and growing up and I guess, you know, even though um, I wasn't dating or anything like that back then, it was, uh, you know, I was too young. So I said, what do I want to do after my 16th birthday? So I decided, since I already, you know, 
played with the guitar and piano that my mom taught me the piano. And some of my friends were, had their guitars and, you know, their little um, jukebox of things that they were all, yeah. And they said to me, gee, Linda, why don't we get together at your house? I went, I got one better than that. I want a group. And of course, back then was um, all those shows. So I named the group the Pink Ladies and five of us. But I was a background singer because I wasn't that good. But the girl. Did you wear pink? Did you always wear pink? Oh, yeah. We wore the pink suit at one point. And it was <laughs> during the, it was during the um, Vietnam era. So we would go by actually one of the girl's father was in the army and he had a big station wagon. He said, Hey girls, I'll take you to the forts. You know, I was just going to do it in the local neighborhood or whatever. And we all like, okay, we got to do some studying here. And you know, the Sherelle songs, all these songs. So one of them, I said, we got to do at the end of each performance is soldier boy. So we ended up by, Parents, my grandparents, their grandparents made mega amount of food. So they had good Italian food while they were being entertained, the soldiers. And, and where, that, did you, where did you do it? Where where was the fort? Well, there's different forts in Jersey, okay. uh, Flynn, Queens, whatever. I don't remember the names themselves because I never really wrote any of that stuff down. But they but, were local soldiers that yeah, hadn't shipped out yet yeah. or something. Yeah. Yeah. Some of them were going to be shipped out the next day. And uh, we also made friends with some of them where we could write to them, hmm. you know, um, and uh, we enjoyed it. We enjoyed it. They enjoyed it. It was just, I felt it was a wonderful thing to do for somebody else. Yeah. Me you too. know, and Yeah. And so, you know, that, of course, some of this stuff you will be at more length of my book and yeah. you'll get it out of there as well. You know, but and unfortunately, I don't want to stay on it too long because I have so much to say. But when I was 17, I lost my mom to lung cancer from asbestos in the school that she taught. So we found that out later that it was full of asbestos. And Linda, uh, do you know if any of the other teachers got sick that were with her? Years later, one teacher had talked to me. She was one of my mother's best friends. She said, oh, there was quite a few that passed off because of lung cancer. But that's all. That's all we talked about. Like, wow. And that was it, you know. And uh, 10 years after, but it's too late, you know, to think about it, do anything about it, you know. But um wow. yeah, and uh, during the funeral and everything, I was the one who had to do all the phone calls and uh my father went to the actual um funeral home to make arrangements and I decided that I couldn't do this alone, so I called my friend down the block, Rory, and she stayed with me and then uh, my father said, we're getting company from Connecticut, actually, my cousins. And he said, I'm sorry, but you're going to have to give up your room. Can you stay with one of your friends? That I wasn't too happy about, but I did. 
And one of my friends and I were together for the night. They brought me back to the funeral home the next day. And um, I noticed that all the front row was taken. The second row was taken. Yeah. So I said, okay, where do I sit? And my friends were all in the third row. And they just called me over, sit with us, you know. Mm. I did, you know. And I think that's what made me strong. Because my grandmother, she had gotten up from her seat in the front, went to the casket, and unfortunately tried to lift my mother up. I was like panicking. I ran to her, stopped her, and I said, you can't do this. We have so many people. My mom was so well-loved. There was people out the door. So I said, okay, let's calm down. She looked at me and said, you're like your mother. You're strong. She says, you're so mature. And so we carried on from that. But uh, I think that's what did make me strong. I think that's what made me continue to help people and to move on and to go for what I dreamed for. Because my mom always used to say to me, you need to get your dreams. Do it. Do it. And so I said, okay, I will. And um, so then at 23, I got married. I had children. I had five beautiful grandchildren. And then we got divorced. And unfortunately, after that, I did remarry the second time. And that was, you know, not that long. Uh, But then in 2007, I met the man of my dreams. Mm. He is now my husband. And uh, we've been married for over 16 years. And I now have a beautiful extended family. So then in uh, 2018, I almost died. So that's when I realized I had what they call pulmonary edema, which is where the fluid goes into your lungs and eventually you drown. And also a non-cardiac cardiomyopathy, which is the fluid around your heart. So it's actually... Now, was this, this was all at the same time? Yes. Yep. I had both, same time. I guess I was going down, but I wouldn't have it. I wouldn't have it. I said, no, I got too much to do. I got too much to do, and I got to be around. So I just luckily got better. And um, then what rolls around, but... 2020 to 2023, but just prior to that, I decided, you know, when my mom told me back then that I should be a writer, I decided to write. And that's when I ended up writing for in 2021, completed on Amazon, my first book, A Certain Remembrance. So I kept writing because I was stuck in the house. I was compromised. I didn't want to go out and get COVID. So I just stayed in the house, did what I had to do. And I started writing my second book, okay, which was put on Amazon. And it was by my try, uh, the Troy Bookmakers. They did that for me. And if ever any of you gets inspired with writing, and you need help to have a book put on or even them putting it on 
Amazon because I wasn't very good at that. So they did it for me. And uh, their number is 518-689-1083. And that is... Who did they ask for? Who would they ask for there? Um, They asked for Jessica. Jessica. With a K. (laughs) All right, cool. Yeah. So did she help you with your first book? When did you write the A Certain Remembrance? Before COVID, right? Honestly, I started writing it back when I lost my mom at 17. And I wrote some poems and everything. I just threw it in a drawer. And then, of course, you know, life passes and you do things and you, so I ended up, you know, uh, taking it out later. You know, so. um, But. And, And what had you finally. I know you said the second book was COVID and After the Heart. What had you, because a lot of people have stuff in their drawer. You know, they want to be a writer, but they don't necessarily take the action. What do you think had you finally get it out of the drawer and say, I'm doing this thing? What what do you think with that? That first book, I believe it was because my kids would say to me, Ma, tell me more stories about what you did and what, 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 what. So I remember sitting down and I told them about a story about when I was a candy striper, you know, and um, in a hospital where this very fragile young little boy, unfortunately, had leukemia. Now, I knew the parents, so they did allow me to go into the room with him while they were waiting for the parents to come. This was now near the end for him, unfortunately. And I'm in the room and I'm like, please get here, please get here. And he said to me, you know, when they get here, tell them that they should have another kid. Because I'll be watching over it. Yeah. And he was only nine. And I'm like, where's that coming from? And he told me he was cold and he wanted me to hold him and I did and he passed in my arms, and then they walked in. It was very sad, very moving. Did you tell them what he said? Yes. And do you know if they did have another child? Yes. Did you ever find it? They did. Yes, because I stayed with them for a few years after that. You know, and then, again, you move and this, they moved. But, yes, they ended up having a little girl. Yeah, so uh, that was... And when... how old were you when you were a candy striper? I don't know, 16? I don't remember. Oh, 16, that. okay, so a little older, after the daycare, okay. Just wow. around the same time when I ended up starting my <laughs> my little singing group. Oh. <laughs> yeah, my little singing group. I said, okay, we're going to call us girls, there's five of us, but I can't, you know, really think that I was that good, and I wasn't. So I said, I'll be a background singer. And I got my friend who's a doll, sweetheart. She ended up being the lead singer. She had a voice like an angel. And then the rest of us were all the background singers. We did the Sherelle songs and everything. It was during the Vietnam, you know, uh, war ever Mm -hmm. that we did it. And then one of the fathers was a soldier. So he said, how about I have you guys go to the forts? I'm like, yeah. You mean not just in the town and whatever? Mm-hmm. And 
no, you're going to go to the forts. Okay. So he took us to Brooklyn, Queens, wherever there were forts. I don't remember, you know, the yeah. actual ones. So, so how did that tie into the candy striping? Or it didn't? It was just two separate it things? It, it didn't. didn't. Okay. Other than when I was, well, I guess it did in a way. Because I worked at a VA hospital. Mm. And while some of them, you know, some of the people that were getting injured, I you know, as um, one way or another, that I ended up there and talking to them and um, their families. So I was always trying to keep the spirits up, mm. to keep everything positive no matter what, you know. So, yeah. yeah, so that, you know, what's that? And of course, um, so uh, I guess, I don't know, you know, I wanted to say a few things too. Okay. My stepdaughter had to help me with all this technology. <laughs> I'm 77, what can I say? But I keep plugging away. So this is her card, you can look her up, Lori Murphy Coaching, Empowerment Coaching for Women. Okay, and she, I'm trying to read her number. Can you read that to them? It's 518. 518-573-3277. Yeah. 3277, okay. She is absolutely, unequivocally amazing. And... Uh, she got me through everything too, and uh, she's been doing this for a while now, and she's doing very well. Also, I talked about the Troy books that oh, and Troy books made my look at that. My I go <laughs> all over the place, even the mall, and I go, "Hi, how are you?" Oh, look, I said, "Do you read?" And they'll say, "Yeah, we love to read." <gasps> Great, here's a free bookmark, and then I'd say, "That's me." And just leave it at that, you know. And I found that some people did buy because of that. I thought mm -hmm. that was kind of cool. So, mm -hmm. so I wanted to show everyone a scarf. I thought this was very, very interesting. My daughter-in-law bought me this scarf from the manuscript that I had for my first book, A Certain Remembrance. It's all on here. This is my book. So I wear my book around. <laughs> Who does that, right? <laughs> That's amazing. How did they do that? I guess it's I a company know. who does it, right? I don't know, but um, there, uh, I have the thing here where the, uh, she got it, if you'd like yeah. to see it. You know, that's well, here it. it is. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay, hold it up a little more. A little more. I T O G R A P H S dot com. Okay. Thank you. That's really cool. What else? What else do you have at show and tell? Yeah. Now I, I, oh, I'm sorry. No, I said what else do you want to show us? Okay. We have seven minutes till the till the okay. commercial. All right. I wanted to tell you that I wanted to just briefly, very quickly, because she did such a Amazing job on a review and a five-star for my second book, Lockdown, A Pandemic Experience. Her name is Mary. And she just says, like, Linda's approach to life is an inspiration to me. Throughout her life journey, 
I could see the depth of her love for her family and her dedication and her courage and her strength. I said, really? Wow. So I thought that was great. And she says it just like so many other people went on there. I appreciate it. I thank you all. There's like about 36 of them for the first book. And I love you all. And um, then now writing, I have two friends that really, really helped me during this. I know sometimes you may say to yourself, you know, I don't know if I could do this. I really don't. And I said, yeah, you can. Maybe somebody will help you along. I have one friend, Virginia. She would take my calls and she would listen to me whenever I needed someone to talk to or about my short stories that I'm doing now, my third book, which is called Imagination. And um, that third book will be going out probably on Amazon, I would say, in the summer for that. And uh, she kept me on track and she helped me. And I kept saying, I want to keep going. You're going to keep going. And then my friend Addie, she's the one who helped me with both my first book and is now helping me doing uh, my third book. And um, that will also be going to uh, the Troy Makers to get it done. But she's doing a lot of the work she was guiding me through with uh, my whole writing journal, a uh, journey actually. Okay, she would preview my work. She would uh, discuss my strengths and my weaknesses. You have to take criticism if you want to make it, if you want to be able to learn from your mistakes and change it. And I also want to thank my whole family for everything that they've done and friends. And on that um, note, I don't know what else can I say. I have. Well, we're gonna have we have our so whole second half to get into your books. Okay. So if you want, we can go to the commercial now, and then we'll talk about each of your books and the story behind it, and what you were trying to, you know, the message you were trying to give. What What do you think about that? Are we at a oh, good breaking point? Good. That sounds okay. Good. Thank you. All right. All right. We'll be back soon. Okay. Thank you. After a word from our sponsor. feel like you can't say what you really want to say or that you're stuck or in a holding pattern in your relationships career personal life or finances are there things you want in life that you've given up on are you resigned that this is as good as it's going to get if you answered yes to any of these questions then hillary burns host of the getting real with hillary show has the solution you need hillary is a published author of three books and has a program called the getting real process this process frees you from what is holding you back, allowing you to create a life you love. Don't believe it? It is hard to believe that it could work, isn't it? The proof is that hundreds of Hillary's clients have used the Getting Real process and are now free to create whatever they want in relationships, career, finances, enjoying life, or just loving themselves more. So go to realtalkwithhillary.com and order Hillary's book, Real Talk, and set up a conversation. Has social-emotional learning become just one more thing on your teacher's plates? 
Do teachers and students both find it boring and ineffective? Then bring Kikori to your school. Kikori transforms classrooms through experiential SEL activities that help students play, reflect, connect, and grow. Even better, students say it's more fun than recess. Schedule a no-obligation conversation at kikoriapp.com slash bringkikori. K-I-K-O-R-I. Welcome back to the Getting Real with Hillary show. And thanks again to our sponsor, Kikori. Um, If you want to bring experiential social emotional learning to your schools, go to kikoriapp.com and schedule a consultation. It really does bring back the social and the connections that our children are missing after COVID. And it's really important for our young people. And also you can bring it into business if you want to create you know, connection, team, all that kind of stuff. It's it's phenomenal. So check that out. And also, as we promoted my Real Talk book, um, if there are areas in your life where you just don't think you can say something or, you know, you don't even know what to say, but you just know things aren't the way you want them to be, check out the book. You can go to realtalkwithhillary.com and let's talk. Uh, the techniques really do get you free and you really can move on with your life. So with now we are back to Linda Gulieri Dowling. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but we're going to talk yeah. about Linda's three books now. She's again at 77, quite the inspiration. She is not slowing down. She, you know, doesn't have the conversation about age, that's for sure. And I hope that, you know, she's inspiring me. I hope she's inspiring you as well. So which book you want to start with your first one or did we already cover that? So that one's the one that I read a certain remembrance. It's, it's really a lot of anecdotes that we've, some of them we've heard um, just about Linda, some short stories that she wrote, you know, about her mother, you know, when her mother passed and. Um, the short you know, stories the, will be on the third uh, book though, but there But are, there were some in here. Yeah. There, there were the, some in there. Yeah. Two. I the think. little boy who. And the grandfather. Yeah. 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 They were quite moving. And anyway, Linda Bennett recognized for her act of heroism. What what was that? Oh, yeah. Um, that was Bennett. But uh, that was uh, before I became a Dowling. I uh, had just saved somebody on the um, LIE from um, having a heart attack. I, I just, you know, had my my own um, lab coat on and I just tried to show him and he was like pulling off to the side of the road. I mean, he would have, I don't know, had a horrible accident. But anyway, um, I just say, you know, somebody stopped, gave me his phone. I called and they, the ambulance came and that's it. You know, and, I, and then when I got back to work, of course, everybody there gave me a little party and all this, but, you know, I, so I just so you you saw a guy wait 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 you saw a guy he was in his car swerving right or was he on the side? No, he was uh, swerving. So how did you get him to pull over? Well, I I guess I kind of reached my own life. I went to the side, 
and I beeping, beeping, and I showed him where it says cardiology department, pull over, pull over. And um, he did, because he realized I was medical. I gave him his nitro. He had one left. And uh, I gave him the nitro, and then they came, and they took over. And I kept saying, oh, my God, I got to get back to work. Not realizing what I just did. And then when I got wow. back, I, I told them, I'm sorry, I'm late. And I told them why. And then they said, really? So they just wrote that up in the, you know, I, you know, I didn't, you know, they wanted to do it. So, but not uh, everybody would do that. Right. Well, first of all, they, some people might have just thought he's drunk or whatever, but how did you know that he was having a heart thing or you just knew? Your instincts again? That was my sixth sense coming through. I've been getting that throughout my life. If somebody, I would feel something and then, gee, this person needs help looking at them at school or something. And they're just sitting there and, you know, and then I approach them and try to help them. I help one boy uh, who was frightened of his own shadow. And uh, I guess we were in fifth grade then. And he didn't want to play on the playground with us, but I took him aside and I made him play volleyball. And I told him that, you know, you don't want the ball to hit you, right? So catch it. We were playing handball, you know, and everything. Mm. Catch it. And he did. And he felt so elated in being able to do that. Because he used to hide behind the tree while we all played. So, I mean, this is another thing. But I just got these feelings. And I guess that's how I felt then, too. You know, that I said, this isn't right in the middle of the day. Why is he swerving like that? This isn't right. Mm. So that's how I managed with that wow because you know just so you know not everybody would have done that do you know what i mean like you get the six whatever sense and do it you act on it which has you make a big difference for people so thank you for 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 doing that yeah it's huge yeah yeah but um so okay so that was in the book let's see what else there, there was a lot of things. I mean, it's quite the book. You can get it on Amazon. You know, it talks about, I know you kind of skimmed over them, but when your first marriage ended and you had these three children, I mean, I know you're just a person who just takes care of things and blah, 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 blah. Did you ever feel sorry for yourself? Yeah, I have to admit I did at times at night when I think about it on my own, but then I turn around and say, no, no, tomorrow's another day. And I'm going to make that day as special as yesterday was. Today, okay, I got by. So you never allowed yourself to feel like a victim? No. Or not for very long. I mean, that's amazing. I think, you know. I think everybody does at one time or another, but no, not not for very long. My important thing was to keep my children at a good school district, to keep them educated so they can grow and they can go on their own and all. So I ended up um, starting one business, which was the uh, catering business, you know, and I got involved with caterers and I said, okay, I'm going to have parties. And I sent out my cards to everybody. And before I knew it, I was doing all these parties, sweet 16s, this, that on Long Island, because these people party, <laughs> And so were were you cooking? 
Were you the chef or you got oh, other people to cook? No, a friend of oh. mine was doing some of the cooking because her husband had left her and she was there with a baby. And mm-hmm. her father made her kitchen downstairs in her basement and she was doing that. But I mostly went to both an Italian and a Jewish delicacy, you know, delicatessen, whatever. Yeah. I used them for the various types. If it was Jewish people that wanted kosher or whatever, I would do all of that. And um, they would do the deliveries. They would do all of that. Oh, and so you were I, just the middleman. You were the middleman? Kind of, but I started it, yes. And what I did with my uh, people that I worked with, the women needed extra jobs. They were bringing up kids on their own. So I said, okay, you want to be one of the waitresses. So then before I knew it, on Fridays, uh, Friday nights, Saturdays, Sundays, we would be going to these homes, even in um, Fire Island, Long Island, and everything, we would be going there, and we would be, um, you know, starting uh, taking care of their their parties. So, I mean, people were having parties for sweet sixteens, like you wouldn't believe in the wait, summer. So how? Okay, let's just take for example Fire Island. So you would get the you would order the food, Jewish or Italian, whichever. Okay, you would get these ladies. What about? Did you have to supply the alcohol? No, no, no. That, okay, so so not the drinks, but know. how would Correct. how would you schlep it over to Fire Island? Well, that was them doing that. They must have taken the you know the ferry or the boat. I don't know. I don't even remember. But um, okay, myself, so they would deliver. I would take the girls. We would go by ferry and go over. Yeah. You Did know, you have so- outfits? Did you have like uniforms? I wouldn't say it was in the actual uniform, but I did have the aprons, but I didn't put a name on it or anything. Oh, okay. So you, so, all right. So as a business person, so you would, I'm assuming you would charge them for the food and put a markup on it, I would hope. Right, right. And and then charge for your ladies. Yeah. Right. And then I had to pay the ladies. And if we got tipped, that's fine. Or if we got one big tip, I'd split it. You know, that's how I worked it just the best I could. And uh, I, uh, you know, then when I ended up with my other business, which was home decorating, I figured, okay, I can do this. I've done it before. Let me try. So, but I had to stop the catering and, get, you know, pass it on to some other friends to kind of introduce them to these people that could work with them. Because Why? It's too much mm-hmm. Too much. Okay. Too much on me. So, how did you get the idea for home decorating? Like, because you know, again, a lot of people have these ideas, but it's it's not always easy to get customers or to get people to pay you, or you know, like you just seem to not worry about that stuff and just do it, right? Like it's it's really a good lesson for people. Just don't think about it. Just do it, (laughs) right? Exactly. And I did make up cards for that. And I did uh, advertise a little bit for that. But okay. the other thing, it was all mostly word of mouth. And uh, the um, the decorating was both word of mouth and cards. And, you know, so, I mean, I knew a lot of people. I knew a lot. But of how people. did you know, like, how did they know that you were good enough to hire? 
You know, that's a good question. I say to myself, was it my character? Was it my personality? Were you just, hey, like, just balls. me? Yes. You got balls, honey. <laughs> I mean, but you I have the confidence. Funny. Yeah, you I did. You have... weren't like, maybe I'll try this. You were like, I'm doing it, right? You didn't, you seem to step over any doubt or confusion and just like, do it. It's really, it's like incredibly inspiring, really. Yeah. Because I know when you get stuck in that, then you have no power, you know? Right. But no, I felt that it was just my calling, I guess. I don't know. I enjoyed doing it. And I, you know, made a little money, you know, nothing big or great, but I was happy with it. And um, people that knew me kept giving me, you know, the records. They, oh, you know, my, my, my brother wants that this time. My, you know, my daughter was uh, getting a new house. And that's just how it worked, you know, until I just couldn't so do it. You, yeah. Did you do the furniture and the paint and all that? Or, wow. I went to the various stores, you know, uh, Raymore and Flanagan and all the oh. stores. And um, they would give, I first go to them in their home after telling me what they liked, what mm. they, I would then say in my head, okay, I go to the store, browse around. Yeah, Jennifer would like that. That's what I'm going to sell her. But they would pay them, not me, for that. That's mm -hmm. how I did that, where they would pay the store, actually pay the store. And I would have my thing. And then they would do the deliveries, and I would tell the guys where to put everything. Mm. Yeah, But you didn't have a degree. You didn't go to interior design school. I mean, I know people that think they can't do it because they need the degree. Yeah. But you, no, you didn't worry about that. That's yeah. not. Wow. You have to be honest, faithful, and um, know a lot of people, I guess. I don't know. But yeah. 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 Amazing. Okay. All right. So that was all your your first book, sort of. I mean, you didn't really cover that, but that was this. Um, Why don't you tell us about your second one with the nurses? I know you were writing about the nurses um, and then we had COVID and your second book is called Lockdown. And tell us about why you wanted to write that and how you wrote it. Yeah. First off, the best thing to do would be to look me up on Amazon as Linda Galieri Dowling and both my books will come up. Because lockdown, you can't just look up lockdown because there's just going to be too many books with the word lockdown. That's why I said make sure mm -hmm. lockdown a pandemic experience. Or better yet, just go with my full name. Make sure the full name and you'll get the books. As will the third book will be there as well, probably by the summer. But yes. And that is... The nurses, they kind of said to me, oh, you know, I'd like to be in your book or whatever. Yeah, let's do this thing. And I interviewed them. And in the back of the book, uh, they gave their bios as to why they wanted to become a nurse. And let me tell you, their stories are so innovative, unbelievable, that, wow, that's the reason why you became a nurse? Or, you know, it was very interesting. And then I just went right into covid so the book itself is both um, a novel, historic, fiction, nonfiction, and 
it is depicts the exact time things happened during 2020 to 2023. So they talked about their COVID experiences in addition to why they went in, in addition to why they went into nursing, right? Or no, was it, it all was prior? Also set. I said it. Okay, um, in a hospital where they ended up, even though they would never work there, or if they did, they only worked for a short time. I made that's where the you know the fiction okay. comes in where. Okay. And then they tell me some of their experiences just being a nurse. And I use that as part of the novel. Okay. So, you know, like so-and-so was running through the hallways. I think she was crazed. And the nurses were running after her. You know, whatever, you know, happened. And then, of course, with COVID, I managed to uh, be glued to the television to research everything, to... um, Learned everything I could about it. You know, and I, I made this both also with some funny little things, things the girls did at Christmas time uh, for the children that were in the hospital during Christmas. And it's just uh, everything in there. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. All right. So go to Amazon.com and go to Linda. Gulieri, I know, I can't, I just somehow can't yeah, say that. Gulieri. Gulieri, the G is silent, but there is a G. Gulieri Dowling, and you will find her two books, very inspirational and um, great, great, easy, nice reads. Um, if you feel bad, right? I'm assuming, I didn't read Lockdown, but I'm assuming that that's also inspirational. It is, it yeah. is. Again, that was what one of the women said uh, with that book too. I have right now. I just have like about because it's just been on for a short time. About sixteen okay. um, reviews at this point. Okay. Uh, All right. Good. And then, do you want to talk about your third book, or what do you want to yeah, talk about? Just briefly, uh, it's about seven. It's seven uh, short stories, and the book itself is going to is called Imagination, and then of course each short story will be listed along with maybe a poem afterward or something or saying or whatever that I want to say. And I have something here that just struck me. Okay, here we go. See this picture? Yes. The funny part about it is I asked my husband prior to the show, could you take a picture of me with the outfit I want to wear in the living room to see if the lighting is good? blah, blah. He said, sure. And he did this. And I looked at the picture and I said, oh my God, one of my short stories is called Visiting Heaven. So explain (laughs) and put it up a little bit more because I know that picture, but so if you can see their angel, it looks like she's wearing angel wings, right? They're coming up behind her shoulders. Oops. All right. Hit it again. You just went. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. That's that was not planned. No. And yet that was that was one of the stories in the book. So isn't that amazing? Yeah, that was not planned. When I saw it, I said, Oh my gosh, maybe that's the picture I should use on the back cover of the book now. So because I'm still doing the book itself, the imagination. Yeah. 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 And what was your purpose in writing that one, would you say? 
You know, that's funny. I really, I love writing. I love writing. I just started writing. And I started, I wrote, I wrote one short story. I said, oh, that's cute. Again, put it in the drawer. And then <laughs> I did the next one, put it in the drawer. And then my friend Addie, as I um, spoke about her already, right? And she was the one who inspired me to go for the third, too. She said, and my friend Virginia, both of them said, you got to do short stories. She says, I, I, we like your writing. So I said, okay. So I took them out of the drawer and I started putting them in the computer. Mm. And then Addie, the one helping me, you know, was set it all up. I, I was so the, the stories just come to you. You know what story that I keep thinking about it, and I wonder why you wrote it in your first book. The one with Sean, you meet this little boy on the beach, mm-hmm. and he takes you back to the grandfather. His parents had been killed, right? So he was now an orphan, but his grandfather had him. And then when the grandfather passes away, I mean, I'm saying it's you, but whoever the the main character was takes the boy, adopts him, and he grows up with them. Did that happen to you, or you just got inspired by that story? That's just an inspiration. Uh, they're all uh, fiction. Yeah, okay. they're all fiction. Yeah, same thing. It was such a nice, a nice story, but I know that you do adopt people, and you have people throughout your life that just come. She takes them in as their family, you know, People were emailing me with the links. This was this. Who is this? This is my. I guess it was your stepdaughter, and then your daughter-in-law. You know, and then the friends, and this one's adopted. The ones that were helping me with the computer. So it was like, wow. You know, she just she just kind of uh, accumulates people in a wonderful way. So I don't know yeah. how I do that, but yeah, I do. I do. <laughs> okay, kids, you all mine. And I'll tell you <laughs> one thing though that did happen to me when I was in a car accident back on Long Island. Those kids came up to the hospital to see me. Not all of them, but, you know, a few came up to the hospital to see me. And I said, oh, wow. You know, the kids are, you know, my daughter's friends or whatever, you know, things like that. But I tell you, I um, I just love being around people. I love doing things for people that I'm able to do. And I try not to say, hey, you know, I can't do that. I never say that. Now, I always say I could try. And if I don't accomplish it, okay, I'll go on to the next thing. Never put yourself down. Never tell yourself I can't do it. Because nine times out of ten, you'd be shocked that you could. You know? And, I mean, I say that to everyone. I say that, you know... My friends, my family, just people around. If I see someone that looks sad, whatever, like I told you, as a child, I had that sixth sense of seeing someone that um, wasn't right, didn't feel right. So I try to go over and do something about it. Mm. You know, and I guess summing it up, you know, I want to thank everyone for their support and their love and their encouragement. And um, I always say to everyone, you know, no matter what you pick and say, oh, I can't do that. You can do it. You got this. Mm. But if you think you can't do it alone, 
then please seek help and you will get it and you will continue and you will do well. That's one of my things that I say to everyone. I encourage them to sort people that can help you. And that's why I also introduce my stepdaughter, who is a uh, life coach for women. So that's one thing right there. And I guess I just, yeah, kind of, you know. So what would you, if you had a vision for the world in five years, what would you want to see the world become or you leave your mark? I would like to see peace. Hmm. I would like to see love. I would like to see people interact with each other. What is this? Okay, my country can help you with this. I'll help you. Your country can help me with that. And I would just help each other. Be there for each other. And I just say to everyone, I say, you know, you can all live well, live strong, and live long if you give yourself that chance, that pat on your back, and just say, I can do it. Mm -hmm. And it's really sad what's going on right now. Everybody should have food in their mouth. Every child should have clothes on their back and I don't want to get politics or anything but I think we need <laughs> to yeah, work more on it all of us yeah. together together yes, together. yes. alright well thank you Linda thank you so much for being who you are for your inspiration to all of us for your can do attitude I think more of us need that and stop being afraid to fail or not know how or whatever, and just ask for help. So really thank you for who you are for the world. Thank you. Thank you for watching this episode. I started getting real with Hillary when I discovered that I was a people pleasing, pleasant phony and wanted to be more of my real self. We can grow together. If you will like the show, subscribe to my channel and share this episode with your friends and family so that we can have a world that's more real.